Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. And as we uh, anticipate the arrival of one Seth Kamins, Sean K. Palmer here, and Seth and Sean Sports Radio here on Blog Talk Radio, once again waiting for Seth Kamins to join the show. But there are some things I'd like to discuss beforehand. Number one is, look, Syracuse, you're going to hear me bitch and moan about this team all year because for the last five years that's what I've been doing. And they seem to be more of a bubble team than they ever have been. A bad performance against Georgia Tech, where they just really couldn't shoot at all. You look for that inside presence, just not there. And tonight, of course, they go against, well, Duke in Cameron. Yeah, in Durham. And you want to give it up. You want to say that they have some shot in this. But who knows if they do, really. But I'm telling you right now, I am predicting the upset. I'm saying that Syracuse is going to come out tonight and play it balls out. They are totally going to win. They're going to win the game. Look, I have nothing, uh, no money riding on this. I have no inside information. I just think that coming off the episode, against Georgia Tech, which was on Saturday, where they just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Now is the time for them to really gear up. I think that they will win tonight. And this will be their signature win. We'll just have to see. Seth Kamen says that he will be joining in five minutes. So we'll get to that in a a little bit. College football season in full swing. Kansas not exactly in first place. Texas Tech in first place in the Big 12. It would be the first time in 14 years, that Kansas would not win the Big 12 championship. There is a lot, a lot of time between, excuse me, between now and then. You can tell it's been one of those long days, right? I mean, it's cold in New York. For the first time all season, I have put on the heat. It's 6 o'clock in the evening here on the East Coast. I am awaiting the Syracuse-Duke game, which starts at 7. The heat just kicked in. I got a blanket covering, and now we are looking at Seth Kamen's joining shortly. So what else can we talk about before Seth comes on? Well, we can talk about the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders beat Tampa Bay last night 5-1. to one. They lost against the Rangers on Saturday. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, the best team in the NHL on Sunday. And, you know you kind of have a good feeling about this team the same way I have it about Syracuse. I think they'll just barely get into the playoffs. And then you never know. You never know with college basketball. You never know with the NHL. So once Seth joins, we'll talk about the Final Four in the NFL. Yesterday's games, uh, Philadelphia, excuse me, Philadelphia, New Orleans, where New Orleans squeaked out a win after coming from behind. New England's thoroughly decimating the San, uh, San Diego. I can't get used to the fact that they're not in San Diego anymore to the Los Angeles Chargers. And, look, Seth and I were both wrong on that. And then you have the Cowboys losing the other night to the Rams on Saturday night. And in the AFC, the Colts 
really not having a shot against Kansas City. Kansas City looked really good. To, to say that Tyreek Hill has a compatriot on the field, I'm looking forward. I've always said that New England is just like Syracuse in the fact that if you give them a week or two weeks to prepare, Bill Belichick is the best coach in the NFL, especially when it comes down to the defensive side of the ball. Now they have a week to prepare for Pat Mahomes. The last time that we saw this, it was 75 to 80 points. I believe the final score was 43 to 40. And you let Tom Brady march the whole length of the field, and they won the game. But that was seven or eight weeks ago. And here we are again with the final four in the NFL. We have a little bit going on in free agency in Major League Baseball a ton of teams making moves this week and next week in anticipation of spring training starting in early February. And then we have the NBA, where yesterday Seth and I were watching the NFL, and this will get to the NBA in a little bit, and it looks like Seth has joined us. Seth, I was just going through tanking in the NBA, and yesterday you and I watched the NFL games uh, together for the first time all year with uh, with Jake, which is tremendous. And I turned around and saw the Knicks were losing by 15, and I was an extraordinarily happy person. I don't recall the last time I was happy seeing my team down by 15, and then all of a sudden they're down by one, and I'm upset. Now, we've seen <laughs> some tanking situations in the, N- in the NBA work. And we've seen some tanking situations in the NBA not working. And then we've seen tanking situations like that in Philadelphia, which you're not really sure if they work. Right? You got, the, the, you got oh. Sacramento where you know it doesn't work or it hasn't worked so far. You've got some like uh, Dallas where so far Luke Donich, definitely you could say it works. But a lot of it comes down to what you're going to do with those draft picks, not necessarily that you're just tanking. Agreed. Um, it, it, well, I think it's also uh, sorry if you can hear the destination in in, in the background. Um, driving, I'm just driving home from the work. But um, yeah, <laughs> if oh, for God's sakes, sorry. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to kind of get a feel on the tanking. It's, we, we've talked about it with football, with basketball. Yeah, it was probably the best of situations as a Knicks fan. You played competitively. Your young guy Kevin Knox looked good, but you lost at the end of the day. So, and you know, my assumption is that's still what you're rooting for when it's all said and done. As which is not the easiest way to go through the season. But, you know, where else are you right now? Well, I think that's the point, right? I mean, right now, I'm happy that Porzingis is probably not going to play this year. I'm glad that Kevin Knox is doing well. I'm glad that Mitchell Robinson is, is putting up some numbers. And uh, I'm not sure I'd, I'd like them to be comp- as competitive as they are. Last, yesterday was one of those where don't win, don't win, don't win after they beat the Lakers on the road the other day. I mean, that was a game that, look, LeBron wasn't at the game, didn't play in the game, and it's actually one of those times I wish he was. Uh, it's, it's just a very strange concept to be rooting against your team. I've done it with the I've done it with the Jets over the course of the last couple both, of years. But, but yeah, we both did it with our team once, this year. Right, but it's a once-a-week thing, right? It's one time. You look at the scoreboard yeah. on Sunday afternoon, and you hope that they lose, and you root against them once. When it's basketball or hockey or, for goodness sake, baseball, that's a lot of losing. That's not 16 games. That, that's no, rooting, that's against, 70 games rooting against your team for 80 games. I mean, basketball and football are 80 games. Baseball is 162. You know that they're going to win at least 40 to 50 of those games because 
the Major League Baseball record is 40 and 120 by the Mets. So you know that they're going to win at least 40 to 50 games, maybe even 60 or 70. But man, that's a lot of losing. And the NBA has done their best to, uh, I don't know, take out the tanking method by applying different percentages to the lottery. But you're still going to tank the top four teams, this, the top four uh, positions in the draft this year are going to be much better than number five. They just are. Also, they wouldn't be in the top four to begin with. I don't think the drop-off yeah. is considerable from number one to number two if, let's say, Zion Williamson is number one and Cam Reddish is number three. There's not a huge drop-off between those two. But once you get into the eighth and the ninth and you're looking at it, you want to look through a glass. Look at the Celtics this year. So the Celtics, who who we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Anthony Davis, they came into this year saying, we got four number one picks coming in, and this is going to be great. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have a treasure trove of picks. Well, all right. They have their own pick, which is like 28. They got Sacramento's pick, which right now looks like 10 it's or 11 because they're – yeah, it's not looking yeah. as good as it was six months ago. Right. None of those picks are in the top ten right now. Not one. So unless you win the lottery, you're probably not getting a top ten pick. And remember, the top four teams, I believe, sorry, the bottom four teams. I don't even know if they're top or bottom at this point. I don't, however you want to say it. I don't believe they can drop more than one slot. So they're guaranteed to be in the top six or top five, whatever that is. So you're, you're not – unless right. you're jumping to like – unless you're jumping dramatically, you're not going to – the Celtics six don't look that great right now. So you're no, looking at the and, Knicks and you're saying – you're looking at the Knicks and you're saying, man, i got to root for 60, 40 more games of this crap. Loss after loss after loss. It's very hard to watch a game and – and say, please develop, please develop, please develop, play very well, and then in the final five minutes, okay, now go on a very cold streak. You know what's even harder to root for? What's even harder to root for is a team that's in this situation but doesn't have good first-round picks or first-round picks at all, hence my Nets for the last five years, where you have very little talent and there ain't much hope. Because you've traded your picks to Boston based on the Garnett trade from five years ago, so I'm not well, I'm not crying that hard for you. But I'm not saying cry I understand. hard. I'm not I'm not saying cry hard. And actually, for you and Sacramento fans, because Sacramento also does not have their pick this year, I think it's actually easier because you're not rooting for losses, are you? You're rooting for wins. No, the Nets Nets actually have their pick this year. I believe. No, no, no. This I'm saying it, you first. just right. You just said you weren't crying for me the last couple of years. I get that, but you right. were actually rooting for wins because there was no disadvantage yes. to there was no advantage. But, they, to but lose. there was no chance that they were there was no chance that they were good enough to win. Agree. So uh, the Knicks are. So that was the situation and, you were dealing with. Yeah, the Knicks actually conceivably have talent. But it is very difficult for me as a Knicks fan to choose to root for them to win. It just, and le- yesterday was just what, the look that you saw on my face when you said, oh, they're only <laughs> down one. I'm sure it was priceless because I was like, no, none of that. And that's horrible as a fan. It's horrible as a fan to go into that. And I'll tell you, it will make Assuming they do well on the draft picks, assuming they do revitalize themselves, and you're seeing this with the Nets, right? You're seeing a team that you are happy to watch, that you are that you see on the uptick. They're they're no they pit yes. rock bottom. They're on the way back up. You and it makes that type of team that much sweeter to watch, but it also requires a lot more work and. The Nets are not a pl- well. They're they're an eight seed playoff team potentially this year, but one more draft pick from them. They're between, yeah, 
in the with a lot of cap room, and they're in an interesting position because they have cap room, they have young talent under contract. They could be as high as a six seed. They can't go any higher than that, and they could also miss the playoffs. But yep. they play very hard. They're fun to watch. And they've done this without their best player. So, I mean, all considered as a pretty enjoyable season, look, even if we are the seventh seed and get knocked out in five by the Celtics, it's been a good year so far. But is that a year you want? You see, if I'm a Nets fan, I want to lose. You know what? At a certain point, like – Look, the Nets are not the luckiest team in the world. Let's be honest here. I don't see them getting the 12th, the 12th, 12th place and getting a top two pick. I just don't see it happening. So, as a as a team, as a Nets team that is, you know, just had such terrible situation year upon year upon year, I would really like to see them make the playoffs. Look, if they end up 40 and miss it by a game, am I going to be devastated? No. Um, but I'd like to see – it's not like they're realistically going to get Zion or get Cam Reddish. You know, they'll end up – if you end up with the 12th pick or the 15th pick, would I rather be in the playoffs with the 15th pick or have the 12th pick? Honestly, I'd rather be in the playoffs and have the 15th pick. In their situation. Yep. I'm not saying for every situation. Ladies and gentlemen, we know where the Nets are going to pick. I mean, let, let, let's see where this is going to wind up. This is going to be Bobo, and he's going to have <laughs> foot problems his entire, his entire career because that would just be the luck of those Brooklyn Nets. Like, it, it's Sam Bowie number two. Like, that's, that's where there it's going to wind go. up. Yeah. So, okay, so two very big decisions were made this week. And I'd like your take on both of these. So let's go, let's go to the first decision that was made today. And that decision was made by Kyler Murray to declare for the NFL draft. Now, what does that mean baseball-wise? So to recap for the ladies and gentlemen, once again, if you'd like to call in, I'm sorry, 760-283-0846. 760-283-0846. We're here until 7 o'clock. And we'll be discussing uh, this, this, then the coaching situation in the NFL, and then we'll get on to our championship picks and a little bit of NFL, uh, excuse me, Major League Baseball free agency there too. But let's, so Kyler Murray declares the NFL draft after meeting with those uh, Oakland Athletics last night. Kyler Murray was the ninth pick in the Major League Baseball draft last year. He was told, he was not told, he was given the option of going back to Oklahoma for one year as part of the contract. And if he decided to continue down the football path, he would have to repay the $1.4 million of the $5.5 million signing bonus. He has not been paid the rest of it. And today he, decla- he wins the Heisman Trophy, uh, guides Oklahoma to the playoffs. And here we are at a cross where – you can, de- you can reaffirm your commitment to baseball, which I believe Scott Boris was the biggest cheerleader of all, at 5'9", sure. and a pitcher, but also could play center field. So there have been uh, – look, it's, it's, not a, it's not a fair comparison, but people have said, hey, he could be the new Ricky Henderson. Again, not a fair comparison. You're only comparing him to the top leadoff hitter of all time. And then you have him on the pitching mound. Or he could go to the NFL, and if you are a top 15 pick in the NFL draft, you are guaranteed somewhere around $18 million, 18 to $20 million. Do you think he made the right spot here? There's no way this guy can play both sports. I don't think that's possible anymore. I don't think there's a, a Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson comparison to be made with him being 5'9". I, I just don't think, you, and I, in today's society, I don't think you could play both. I agree also based on his position. 
I don't think you can be a quarterback and play two sports. I think there's a better chance of you being a wideout or being a cornerback where you're not in control of the entire game plan. Um, I think, I think at the end of the day, this is how he sees it in baseball. He's, he's going to get his five, you know, his $4 million, whatever it is, but he's also not going to be playing professionally most likely for two or three years. If he goes to in the NFL draft and we've heard anywhere from middle of the first round to the third round, um, he's going to be getting a signing bonus quite, not quite at that level, but his contract will, he will have for all intents and purposes, the contract while maybe not guaranteed will, um, you know, very rarely does a second round quarterback get cut after two years or a third round quarterback cut after two years, unless your name is Davis Webb. So most likely at a same amount, to play the sport that, to be honest, it seems like he prefers, as opposed to you know riding in a you know, on the back of a minor league bus like Bull Durham. Um, sure. Whether he made the right choice or not, I don't know. I don't. I've, I've never watched one iota of his baseball, nor have you. Um, nope. If he if his love is if his love is being a quarterback more than anything else. And he has a confidence that he can pull this off. You know, it's not 15 years ago. You know, you said it's not 15 years ago in regards to the two to the two QB, excuse me, to the uh, the two sport transition. It's also not 15 years ago where you had to be six two to be a winning quarterback. Um, we have Russell Wilson. We have Drew Brees. We have, you know, five eight, five nine, five ten is doable. Well, hold and, on. No, it's not. So, so you're making a comparison. Once again, 760-283-0846. We're talking Kyler Murray right now. Okay, so the only 5A quarterback that's, that has had any success is Kyler Murray, 5'8 or 5'9. So Russell Wilson is 5'10. Okay, Drew Brees yep. is a, a shade lower. Six foot on a good day. Feet. On a good yeah, day. A okay, good so day. let's say 5'11 and a half. Okay? I mean... Kyler Murray is shorter than both of those guys. The only guy that's had legitimate success has at that height. And look, I'm, uh, the difference in one inch, I'm not really sure matters, but just we're looking at stats here, right? That's been Doug Flutie. And Doug Flutie was right. not a successful NFL quarterback. He was, he was a, success, a successful CFL quarterback. He was a successful NCAA quarterback. He was a successful, successful NFL, NFL drop kicker. Yeah. He was a successful drop kicker. Really? But he was – well, he was. He, he's only the second – One for he's one. one of two people to ever drop kick. So, the fact is, there is no – there's no path which Kyler Murray is ultimately following. It, yeah, you want to follow Drew Brees, great. You want to follow um, Russell Wilson, great. But he's in unknown territory, even if it's one in. Well, okay. So, now, number one, so, okay, let's take a step back here. How many times sure. was Foodie legit, legitimately given a chance in the NFL? Legitimately to be a starting quarterback. Not really too many. Um, he may have been the greatest CFL quarterback of all time which also includes Hall of Famer like Warren Moon. Um, he may have, Now, again, the, the game is also very different. You don't... The, the run-pass option, or whatever you want to call it, was not... Doug Foody was not the athlete that Kyler Murray was. Not Agreed. even close. A very good athlete. Agreed. Agreed. And if, I believe, and, and you can... You, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but unless I'm mistaken, if you look at the amount of blocked balls that Kyler Murray had as a starting quarterback this year, it was extraordinarily low, which is the biggest issue you deal with when you're a 5'8", 5'9", quarterback. So if the speed and the intelligence are there, 
the arm strength, I assume, is there being a pitcher. The ability to lead and motivate an offense is there. In the right system, could it work? There are there have been much bigger stretches that have been more success that have been, you know, there have been longer odds that have worked than this. Sure. Is this is this you know Trevor Lawrence? Is this Haskins? Where it seems more of a no brainer? Absolutely not. But on the right team in the right situation, yeah, it could very well. Because look at it. If everyone thought the same way on this, then no one would be talking about him as a first or second or third round pick. Well, here's my question. You know, All right. So, let, so let's go down this, right? Let's go down this path, okay? And look, my feeling, my true feeling, is he's going to go to the NFL Combine and drop out. I really do. Because I don't think he's a first-round pick. Okay, I don't. I don't. Look, I've watched him as much as you have. I've probably watched him more than you have, believe it or not, this year. Because, look, when you're unemployed and you don't have kids, you can watch a lot of football. I've watched, watched probably half of Oklahoma's games this year. I'm, I'm really sorry to say that I've watched that much. But the fact is, he's still short. And regardless of what people say today, that's not what they believe when they get guys in after the combine. True? The combine changes a lot. True. It does. Okay. And hey, it made Mike okay. Mamula a top ten pick. Exactly. And it's made guys drop, too. Right? Not only go up, but also guys drop. And that could be based on a number of things. And you're going to put your career, if you're a GM, okay, first of all, there's nobody in the top. Uh, you think he's going to go in the middle of the first round? I don't think I so. I don't. I don't think he's a, no, I don't I, think he's a first I, round I guy. Didn't say, I, well, I don't, don't think he's a first round it. guy. So if he's not a first round guy, he's not making that $5 million, okay? He's not. True. He's not making the money back, okay? So if he's not a first-round guy, and he's probably not going to be a top 10 second-round guy, because, again, let's go back to the teams in the top 10 of the second round. They just don't need quarterbacks. Wait, 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 wait. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. So off the top of my head, and I'm not looking at anything. I'm just off the top of my head. The Giants, the Jaguars, and the Broncos, and potentially the Dolphins, are the four teams that come to my that need quarterback help? Okay, one the of them getting has the Giants yes. and Jaguars. The Giants and Jaguars are both, excuse me, are both top ten. Yep. The Broncos, I think, are probably borderline top ten. Miami's okay. probably about twelfth or thirteenth. So. Okay. Potentially, um, now someone's going to trade up for someone's going to trade above the Giants to get Haskins. That's my guess. That either Jacksonville or more likely Denver. I just Jacksonville. I'm not sure if Haskins is a fit. Um, we'll we'll make we'll make the big trade to go up and get him. So if you were, let's just say Jacksonville wants a defensive lineman because God knows they don't have enough of them, you know, or the giants want a defensive lineman. Now I'm not saying the giants should take Kyler Murray with this number with the second round pick at all, but would it, would I would be surprised if it was under, under consideration But the giants kind of, yeah, because the giants are yes. a, a conservative team. No, well, let me finish. The giants are a, a conservative yep. team and B they play in a cold weather environment in December where there, where it could, the size it could make a more significant difference. But can I see it in yeah. Miami where they're redoing the offense or even Cincinnati where you have a new quarterback, you know, new quarterback coach in Zach Taylor, who's going to be the head coach. And maybe that's who he wants to play with a little bit. I wouldn't be stunned. Now, my guess is my guess is, yeah, somewhere in the mid to late second, early third, someone takes a shot on him. 
Yes, I would agree with that. Now, whether it's worth it or not. Well, that was going to be my next question. Is it worth it to do that? And I, I, for Kyler Murray's sake, I, I don't believe it is. But then again, we saw with Russell Wilson, right? It took one year, and he was the starting quarterback. Look, if, right, if but Russell Kyler Wilson Murray, also. Sorry. Hold on. If Kyler Murray is the starting quarterback, now let's remember Russell Wilson was also a baseball player, right? But he not to wasn't the same very degree. Good one. Not to the same level. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't a very level. good one. Okay, fair enough. He batted two ten in the minor league. And history has shown that you can go to baseball and then come back to football. Yes. And you, history has also shown, but history has not shown that you can go to football and go to baseball afterwards. Has not gone the other way. Okay, so let, let's, the only, the only person that did football first and went to baseball was doing football and baseball at the same time at one point, and that was Brian Jordan. And he signed a baseball-only contract which today would be laughable, in order to, they gave him a three-year, $3 million contract to play only baseball. And this was an all-star. Three years, and not $3 million per year, $3 million total. Wow, baseball has changed. Anyway, but the fact is, it's, I don't know if it's much harder going the other way, but it doesn't seem like anybody's done it. Nobody's gone football first, then gone to baseball. So, I don't know. Maybe. But the point is. Can Tebow count? No. No. (laughs) Well, I guess. Look, look. If If he gets to the pros. Let's put it this way. If Tim Tebow makes it to the major leagues and is successful, then, yeah, he counts. He did it in both. Tim Tebow just got in. Tim Tebow just got engaged to Miss Universe. I know. I think yeah. regardless of his life, it's, it's pretty successful. He's a winner. He's a winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Okay, so here's the take. Here's my take. If Kyler Murray becomes a starting quarterback, that he will make the money hand over fist, and he will make all the money back that he would ever have made in baseball. And he might have a shorter career. In all likelihood, he would. But he would start out, obviously, in first-class accommodation. He wouldn't have to put in the work, at least on the lower levels, on the lower levels. He would be treated like royalty right away, which in baseball he obviously would not. But, look, he's got time to withdraw. He can go through the draft. The A's really were in a no-win situation, right? Because if they called his bluff, he would have said, screw you, I'm going to go play in the NFL anyway. Here's your money back. At least at this point, they still hold his rights. So, all right, so let's go on to the other big decision that was made in the past week. And that was by the Jets. The Jets, Adam Gase becomes the quarterback guru that will be Sam Darnold's mentor for the next three to five years. We have talked about the uninspired picks over the last, the uninspired choices in the coaching ranks. I think I got a couple of them right. I think I got Faggio right. Neither one of us ever thought about Cliff Klingsbury in, in Phoenix. Um, where neither one of us got Zach, uh, I can't remember the last guy, Zach Jones? Zach no, Taylor. No, not Zach Jones. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor in Zach Cincinnati. Taylor. Yeah. I don't. You told me I got one other right, and I don't remember which one it was. But oh, I got Freddie Kitchen for uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, which but, I did not so, see coming at all. So Adam Gase becomes the quarterback quarterback guru and head head coach of the New Jersey Jets, New York Jets, New Jersey Jets, whatever you want to call them. I think it's a smart move. I know I get this this rumbling from Jets fans that we're getting the sloppy seconds of the Miami Dolphins. But you have a little bit of insight the with, with the <laughs> – Well, from the Miami Dolphins, I think it is. Normally you get it from the New England Patriots. But – No, no, no. I think uh, – unless I'm mistaken, you've had a couple guys from Miami come on over um, over Coaches? the years. I, I, I don't remember. I think so. I, I'm trying uh, to remember I'm go back. Look into but, that. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. go look into that. But but tell me what you think about. Look, you have a, a friend, Seth Finkel, who is in Miami. Tell me. I know this is a secondhand information from your from your buddy, but tell me his thoughts. I mean, he's a Miami fan. He lives down there. Tell me what he thinks. He's a pretty knowledgeable guy. Um, he actually thinks the Jets got a good deal on this. He thought Gase got. He thought Gase really kind of got the short end of the stick because Stephen Ross is just impatient as hell. Um, the first year when they had Tannehill, they went. He had a top ten offense. The last two years, now they had to make some adaptations because Jay Jai was so good there. But he, they didn't have Tannehill. They brought in Jay Cutler, which just made no sense. Um, their running game was they traded to Jai. You know. He thinks they the part the, a lot of the reason was more from a personnel standpoint of why they failed as opposed to his coaching. So now I spoke with him prior to the Jets getting him, but right before Gase, right before, but after Gase was fired, and he and he's a knowledgeable guy and he knows people in the industry and he thought actually that they gave up on him too soon. Okay, so I, I don't believe I've gone through the list of Jets head coaches. I'm almost close to the end, unless it's Joe Walton. The Jets have no. never gotten a coach from the Miami Dolphins, ever. They have never maybe, had one. Maybe not. So, I'll take a quick look. Uh, I can't really look because I'm driving. Um, nope. But there was I did see something along those lines. Not, it may not have been – I don't think it was a head coach. Maybe it was coordinators. I don't know. Um. But I don't mind the move. Uh, I I probably would have, again my the guy who I want if I'm the guy who I would have wanted. I like Chris Richard, but they wanted to go offense. I get that they wanted to go a guy who who has been successful with quarterbacks. The problem I have is this: it's just not that hard to be successful with Peyton Manning. It isn't. So. Whether this is Adam Gase's quote unquote genius or this is okay, I played with, I coached, you know, Peyton Manning. You know, and Man, it's not quite, it, it, I don't, the ring endorsement from Manning doesn't, you know, kind of rings a little hollow. Um, but that being said, I think you would prefer him to Clingsbury as a head coach. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the thing that I'm um, seeing, look, the thing that I have a problem with Clingsbury is, all right, so now you got to go get coordinators, and you're going to go get coordinators, and Cliff Clingsbury has his, his defensive coordinator now, Vance Joseph. I don't like this if I'm the Cardinals. And the, Vance Joseph is not Wade Phillips to me. And the reason I say it that way is I believe when the Rams hired Sean McVay and he brought along – Wade Phillips. First of all, he knew he was bringing along Wade Phillips. It was a package deal. They didn't then go out and get Wade Phillips. While Clingsbury's been looking for guys. So he brought, he didn't bring anybody. He, find, he just got Vance Joseph. If I'm Cliff Clingsbury, I'm looking over my shoulder at a guy that wants my head coaching job. That's not a, an enviable situation for me. And I'm if you're Sean McVay and you have Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips knows what's going on, right? He's been in the league 35, 40 years, has been, has been the coach, but mostly has been an interim coach and a coordinator. If I'm Sean McVay, I'm not looking over my shoulder at Wade, Wade Phillips going to take my job, looking to take my job. Here you have a guy that you just hired who was – interviewing for other jobs, including possibly the Phoenix job. I'm not sure that's the best situation. Vance Joseph is a very well, good but, defensive coordinator. Go ahead. But the problem is anytime a coach is, is a head a coach who gets fired, what else, of course he's going to be interviewing for other positions. So he's going to get a defensive coordinatorship somewhere. Is that coach, no matter where he's going, Going to be looking over his no. shoulder? No, because – okay, so let's look at the guys that were hired, right? So Adam Gase is, is already – has already been a coach, right? So he's been a yes. coach once. He's 
45-something years old, right? I, I don't know how old Adam Gates is, but let's say he's 40 years old, okay? So he goes and hires Greg Williams. Now, Greg Williams wants to be a coach, but I don't think there's anybody in their right mind that's going to give Greg Williams another shot at being a permanent coach, okay? So he, I don't think Gates is looking at Greg Williams with, he's going to take my job, even though Williams interviewed for the, for the Browns' position. Now let's look at Clemsbury, who's 33 years old. And he just brought in a guy that was interviewing for other jobs. Not coordinator jobs, but head coaching jobs. That's the difference. That's why I compared it to Sean McVay. Sean McVay right, was in the you... same point as Clemsbury. Okay, I understand your point. I don't know if I agree with it. Because That's to me, fine. you're going to get some... You know, you're, you're look. Sometimes that's just how just just how it runs. I think in a certain, Agreed. I think I guess I look at it a little bit differently. There is no way the Cardinals, after firing Steve Wilkes after one year, are going to fire Cliff Kingsbury after one year or even two years, most likely. So in my mind, at a minimum, he's going to have three years to build this. So if you're going to have three, which is as much security as anyone else is going to get whose name is not Sean Payton or Sean McVay or whatever. Absolutely. So if you're going to have a minimum of three years, Vance Joseph is going to be motivated as hell because, simply put, he wants another head coaching job, and he is not going to be able to yes. do that unless he is successful as a defensive coordinator with the Cardinals. And yes. he is not going to be doing that if he's going to be overstepping to – you know, try and take Klingsbury's job. So I don't see that as an issue. If you are assuming that Cliff Klingsbury is going to get three years, then you are correct. Okay? If that is your assumption, great. My assumption is he will get three years. Okay. So if Klingsbury Arizona cannot handle another – Arizona cannot handle another one-year disaster. And my guess is, unless they go 2-14 and 14 in the second year, that they don't want to eat money twice. Because how much are they paying Wilkes okay. now? You know, $10 million uh, more? I, I, so you, I, sure. I remember, he's also got a set-off, and he went to – he's the defensive coordinator. I back in Carolina, but he's the, probably – No, no, no. I think he went to right. the Browns, actually. Okay. So he's probably taking a minimum salary and sticking it to the team who screwed, who in his mind screwed him over a year. Yes. So, so again, so if he's going to pay 10 million, so let's say, assume he paid probably something, a four year, $12 million contract as the head coach. Yep. So they're not going to want to eat three, two contracts. Unless the team absolutely and utterly, and they could because they are not a talented team. Nope. But I don't see it. All right. So here's another question for you. Okay. One more question. If and and then we'll get on to our picks for this weekend. If you are Cliff Klingsbury and you have gone on record saying I would pick Kyler Murray number one overall. Now, I'm not saying he will pick Kyler Murray with number one overall. But do you trade Josh Rosen and trade down with that pick? And if you're the Giants, do you trade to get Josh Rosen? I don't buy I, – I think Kingsbury was just talking the talk. Um, okay. Look, if the Giants can get Josh Rosen for their – for their first round pick. Yep. I would probably I'd probably do it. I mean, my assumption is Haskins is going to be again, I think someone I think Denver probably will trade up to get to to get Haskins. Okay? They got young wideouts, they need to win. Well, that's going to be a um, or big somebody trade. Will. That that's going to be a big trade to get up that You're going to trade because... from what what are they? 11, 12? Yeah, and you're saying tr- j- jump into the top five. Yeah, I mean, remember the Jets gave move up from 
remember, it was the three Jets second round picks. I know. Three second round picks to move up from six to four. Two spots. Six to three. Six to three. Six to three. Six to three. Excuse me. So, if I'm the Giants, I'm ho- I am I look at the teams ahead of me. Again, I don't have it in front. But San Francisco doesn't need a quarterback. Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. Um, Jets don't need a quarterback. Vermont- Jets don't need a quarterback. The, the other two teams, in- yeah. the Raiders have Derek Carr, who's yep. a $25 million, you know, there's $100 million left on his contract. They're not drafting a quarterback. I don't know who the fifth team is off the top of my head. I believe Tampa it's Bay. Tampa Bay. Yes. They're not drafting a quarterback. Correct. Um, so the Giants are in a, in a relatively comfortable position. Now, again, I don't see Jacksonville trading up to take Haskins. I don't see the fit. It's a Tom Coughlin team that wants to run the ball and play tough defense. They would be more – I could see them actually taking more of a Daniel Jones, like the big six-foot-four, the Joe Flacco type, pardon my French. So – if somebody's going to trade up, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to do it because they've said they're going to tank for all intents and purposes this year and go for the quarterbacks in 2020. So the only team that can trade up is Denver. And Denver would have to give up an enormous amount. Okay, I don't buy, so we so have... So we have about 144 hours until kickoff for for the AFC championship game. The last time these two teams, and just switching gears, because we only have about 15 minutes left. And Seth just got honked at. The last time these two, the last time these two teams met, New England won on a last second t- drive by, well, Tom Brady, of course. Do you see the and, and this was in New England. So now we're going to Arrowhead, which is why the, uh, which is why home field is so important in the, in the championship games. Do you see His Highness Tom Brady doing it again? Yeah, I do. Uh, Kansas City has not looked as great the last month of the season. Um, New England looked brilliant, absolutely brilliant last on Saturday. There's Sunday. There's no other way to put it. Um, Kansas City's defense is not great, and they win games in shootouts. New England, I think it's going to be great. I really, I think both of these games are going to be a lot of fun. Um, I like New England. It just seems, you know, I. I, I got. I had my moment of okay, San Diego. This that. What am I thinking? At the end of the day, it's it's always going to be New England until it's not New England, and that's just how I have to look at it. So New England, something like thirty-one, twenty-seven, thirty-three, thirty, something like that. You're killing me here, Smalls. You're absolutely killing me. I. I... Because I feel the same way. Every time I think that they're down, they're not down. And I'm looking up the weather forecast right now in Kansas City for the game. I'm just hoping it's a lot of snow, but it won't really matter because it's New England. Uh, so it is a.m. snow on Sat. They play on Sunday, though, correct? Both games are on Sunday. So yes. the hot, So the high on Sunday – is a very brisk 14 degrees. That is pretty brisk. Wow. Dude, that's the Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the high. The high is 14. The low is 5. <laughs> wow. Wow. I can't even imagine sitting out in that cold. I got the heat cranked in this apartment. It's it's like thirty five degrees outside. It's cold here, but it ain't that. That's not, ladies and gentlemen. I went to Syracuse for seven years. You all know that. 
it doesn't get that cold there. It gets a lot of snow, but it don't get that cold. Anyway, all right. So from the rather brisk temperatures of Kansas City, we go to the nice mild 72 degrees of the Superdome. Wow, yin and yang here. Where New, So I'm going to pick New England as well uh, because either way I'm going to be happy. Either I picked them correctly or they lost and I'm jubilant. And then we have New Orleans facing off against the Rams in yet another game which could just – look, both of, the, both of the over-unders in these games could be 70. And I, Well, I'm not sure the AFC with the weather. Maybe 60 in the AFC, but easily 70 in the NFC with these two offenses. So I, I said this, I think it was seven weeks ago, when I felt that New Orleans wrapped up the home, home field advantage in the playoffs, and I'll say it again, New Orleans will not lose at home. They just won't. Um, it was a little bit of interesting being down 14 nothing in like the first five minutes of, of the Philly game. But again, they came back. I, I don't think they lose at home. I think New Orleans wins this. Let's go 27 to 21. Yeah, I mean, the Rams, I don't have a great trust, great amount of trust in the Rams right now. I, I'm a little confused, to be honest, by them. Um, the uh, C.J. Anderson looks like, you know, we were talking about it, that Natron means Marion Butts running back from the early, nine, late 80s San Diego uh, Chargers. Are they going to a running offense? Like, I, I mean, it was just – it was strange. And, you know, they were able to beat up on Dallas's running because Dallas was simply not expecting it, as far as I could tell. So, uh, although I am not overwhelmingly impressed with New Orleans right now, I it's hard for me to pick against them at home. I – not very different. You know, I, I'm go. I like New, New Orleans, thirty twenty two, thirty twenty three, something like that. Although twenty two is a weird number, but thirty twenty four. We'll put it that way. I will tell you that New Orleans lost a very big piece of their puzzle on last Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankins. Yeah, Sheldon Rankins. I mean, that's a big piece, especially when the Rams are coming in and running the ball again. Until, much the same way as we talked about New England, until you can beat the beat Breeze in the playoffs in the Superdome, I'm just going to keep taking him. And look, he looked good yesterday. The team as a, as a whole didn't look great, but Breeze looked very good. And the best part about Breeze and that offense is the same thing that you see with New England in their offense is that, there's n- yes, they have a number one guy, but they can use everybody, right? I mean, Michael Thomas was the biggest deke or fake out in the entire game where everybody thought it was going to him on the goal line, and the, the defensive backs ran with him, and it was just picking the puzzle apart. Now, let me ask you this, and, and granted, I'm stealing this from Peter King, so if you saw Peter King's column this morning uh you you know this stat are you surprised that the number two playoff receiver of all time with regards to receptions is julian edelman i'm shocked behind Um, jerry rice i i i hadn't seen it um i i've had a as you know i've had a pretty interesting day um Because he's been around forever. Here they play in three. It's like it's like why every Celtic has had every playoff record in Boston in basketball because the Celtics were in the finals for eleven out of twelve, eleven out of twelve, thirteen years. Twelve out That's of thirteen fair. years, other than sixty-seven. 
I don't think it's it's a testament to his greatness. I think it's too he's played in an enormous amount of games, which is a testament to New uh, England's greatness. Yeah, which we've already you know sucked on the uh, you know we've we, we've dealt with that already. On the marrow, the we, we we've sucked on the teat of the marrow. <laughs> the teat of the marrow, something along those lines. Yeah. Okay, so we got five minutes left. I'm going to go first. You could certainly follow me. Mine will not be very long. So Mel Stoudemire passed away today, or passed away yesterday. It was reported today. An incredibly underrated both player and coach. Uh, look, he's the first pitching coach that I remember for the Mets. Granted, he came along in 1984. I was seven years old. And here we are with the 1986 Mets, and he was, he, he was the one that basically formed that staff, didn't touch Gooden's delivery. But what I didn't know when I was seven and learned later is that he was a hell of a pitcher back when the Yankees – we talked about how the Celtics dominated for years. Well, the Yankees did the same, and then they had their run – very much like the Celtics did in the early 2000s, where they just sucked. I mean, there was a 10-year run for the Yankees after 1964 where they were horrendous. They didn't spend money. I know, it's shocking, until George Steinbrenner bought them in 1974. And Mel Stoudemire racked up over 189 wins in those 10 years, including three 20-game win seasons, and then became a pitching coach when the Yankees unceremoniously released him when he was injured. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is before big contracts. This is before guaranteed contracts. Everybody was on a one-year one basis, one-year one contract every year. I know it's hard to believe, but that's exactly what happened until the reserve clause was challenged in 1974 by Dave McNally and Andy Messerwitz. And here we are, Mel Stoudemire unfortunately passed away uh, due to melanoma, uh, a blood disease. And he's ripe old age of 75, 76. I know a couple of weeks ago, Seth and I were talking about how we felt old because uh, Mel Stoudemire Jr. is now a pitching coach. And I remember when he was a rookie. So, and Todd Stoudemire was winning 20 games for for the Cardinals. Well, Mel, you did great. You, you certainly have a, a winning spot in my heart for the 1986 team, and I'm sure in Seth's heart for the 1998 to 2000 Yankee teams. Um, well done, my friend. You're up. Now, over the last 10 years, you had the big three plus one. So you had Roger Federer, you had Rafi Nadal, you had Novak Djokovic. And this gawky 6'5 guy from Scotland named Andy Murray kind of came on the scene and could never quite hit the level of those three, but was respected and did well enough that they, that they did kind of, that he was the big four. He was the fourth. He was the first Brit in 60 years to win Wimbledon. He won Olympic gold. He lost in, I think, five Australian finals. Um, he won the U.S. Open. He was ranked number one in the world. And amazingly, of all these guys, you know, Federer's 38, Rafi's probably 34 with a body of a 70-year-old. It's Andy Murray who's going to retire first because of a degenerative hip, hip condition. He played probably his last match in, in, in Australia last night, lost in a five-setter. Um, what a shame. You know, him and Djokovic were supposed to be the two that were going to, fo- that were going to follow in the Rafi-Federer footsteps. And it's a testament both to the greatness of Murray and the longevity of Federer and Nadal that this isn't going to happen. And now we just have to see who's going to be the next one to try and step up and usurp the throne from these guys because we really have no idea. That's the luck. So we got another. We got one more minute to go. We're going to preview next week and the week after. We, I assume in the next couple of weeks we're going to find out where Manny Machado goes and where Bryce Harper goes. But next week, we'll certainly know who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So we'll discuss that 
in the next couple of weeks as to where that goes. Uh, we have a week off for the uh, the Super Bowl, so we'll uh, we'll preview the Super Bowl both next week and the week after. But uh, we might take a midseason form next week on the NCAA basketball, which we have not talked about much to that chagrin all week. So next week, Monday night, MLK weekend, we will talk our midseason NCAA basketball review. For, for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio. Go Cuse against Duke. Beat Duke. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Is it possible to make better better? Can you always expect more than what you always expect? At Honda, asking these questions brings us the innovative answers you'll find in the Honda HRV LX. With more cargo space than a Subaru Crosstrek and magic seats you won't find on any other competitor. Hurry into your local Honda dealer and test drive the Honda HRV today to see what expecting more gets you. See dealer for financing details.